It's been hard for me to really formulate a direction where the Lord wanted me to go. He'd speak a word to me one week, and then we'd have rain and snow and put on hold, and then another week would come, he'd speak something else. But this is what he has for me tonight, so I just pray that his words are anointed, amen, and that they are filled with truth and revelation. Tonight's not a hard word or a difficult word, but it is a prompting word, and I hope that it's a a challenging word for all of us. So once more, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we're not going to tarry. We're just going to thank you that you're in this house tonight. Thank you for the word that you have. Thank you that we're able to gather together once again in the house of the Lord on Wednesday. Father God, for this midweek fill-up, this midweek challenge, this midweek refreshing and refueling that we so often need, God. And I just pray that these words would be anointed, that you would anoint me as you always do, God. I don't want to stand here in the flesh. I don't want to stand here in my own strength and wisdom and understanding. But I pray for the power and the anointing of your Holy Spirit. I pray that your people would receive the same. Give them ears to hear, Father God, and hearts that are willing to receive. I pray that we would be challenged by your word, stirred by your word, moved by your word, and that ultimately we would become doers of your word to your glory. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. I'm sure most of you, the last, uh, I guess, the sermon that we had here was during our midweek revival, and I'm sure most of you would agree that that was a wonderful and powerful time in the Lord. Amen? I pray that all of you who were part of it were thoroughly blessed. I know that I was. I pray that you were thoroughly refreshed. I pray that you were refueled and refocused in the process as I was. But now I hope more than anything else that you're ready to run in such a way that you might win. Amen? You see, God brought that revival for a reason, and that's what I'm going to touch on a little bit tonight. And my hope that is this evening, now that that revival is over and all the special meetings are over, and we're back to the normal grind and the normal function, is that we are ready to run in such a way that we might win. Because as great as our winter celebration was, as powerful as it was, and anointed as it was, today's another day. Amen, church? And the race isn't over yet. The checkered flag hasn't been waved. The, the crowns of glory haven't been handed out. The, the, the laurel wreaths and the trophies haven't been handed out yet. So we must keep running and running in such a way that we might win. Amen? In the grand scheme of things, the four-day revival that we had just a couple weeks ago, in my opinion, was simply a spiritual pit stop that most of us needed. I know what I did, church. I believe it was a time for us to pull into God's garage and get fixed up. Amen? I believe it was a time for us to get fired up. Some of us got fired up. Some of us got filled up. Some of us got fueled up. Maybe some of us got fed up. But whatever it was, God was part of it. Amen? And I just thank God for that. I believe that it was a time for us to get our marriages fixed up and our families fixed up, for our our faith to be fueled up. I believe that it was a time that our attitudes might have been adjusted or our uh, tempers put into place or our heart mended in in a special way. But I know that God was part of it, and I know that God uh, took that opportunity to fill us up with His Spirit and with truth. And if you left any of those evenings empty, you shouldn't have left because the Spirit of God was rich and the Spirit of God was real. And any time we find ourselves in the presence of God, we should never leave until we get what we need. Amen? 
So I'm praying that tonight in the same way, I don't know how God's going to move or how God, but I know God has a word for us. And what my challenge to you is tonight that you don't leave until you've received that word and you've allowed it to find that place in the soil of your soul. Because the reality is, as rich as it was and as good as it was, we now have to get back to the race. We have to get the rubber back on the road. And in my opinion, we have to finish the race that we have started. Amen. Because the race isn't to the swift, the Bible says, it's to the steady. The prize goes to the one that endures to the end. The prize goes to the individual that runs to the end, that fights to the end, that struggles to the end, that's committed to the end, that keeps the faith all the way until the end. That's what the Bible tells us. Read Revelation 2, read Revelation 3. It talks about all of those individuals that endure to the end. You see, and that's what this is part of. Every week, every Wednesday, that's the enduring. Every Sunday that we come back. Every day, every time we go into the Word of God, it's the enduring that we must go through in order to receive the prize that God has for us. Amen? It's exactly why Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 9.24, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Therefore, run in such a way that you might win. And if you look at Hebrews chapter 12, Paul tells us how we might run in such a way that we should win. And that's with endurance. He tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 that we must run with endurance. That means when it's tough, you keep on running. It means when it's raining, you keep on running. It means when the sky falls, you keep on running. It means when we don't have church because of bad weather, you keep on running. It means when the enemy comes against you, whether it's sunny or whether it's gray, whether your bank account is full or your bank account is empty, whether you got a smile on your face or whether you got a hurt in your heart, you keep on running. Why? Because the race isn't over yet. Because there's still a lap to go. I don't know how many laps we got to run. I don't know how many days it'll be before the Lord ultimately comes back and calls us home to glory and says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But until that day comes, we are to run in such a way that we might win. Amen? I want you to understand the word there too. Run. It's very active. It's not idle. Run in such a way that you might win. Because the reality is you can't stand still in this thing called faith and expect to win. You can't stand still. I know there's times that God says, be still and know that I'm God. But even while we're still in our spirit, we're still running the race. Amen? So I just want to encourage you tonight to get out of the pit stop. And to get running for Jesus Christ. To get out of the pit stop and get working for the kingdom of God. Amen? This is what the Word says. One of the things I want you to understand as I studied this is when you, when a race car... I'll give you a little bit of information. I know, ladies, you might not like racing and men, you might not either. But when a race car makes a pit stop, it doesn't stay there and it never is put into park. From some of the reading I've done, some of these cars that run these races don't even have a park. They've got a gear and they've got neutral. They've got various gears. But when a car and a driver's running these races, they don't stay in the pit stop, church. The driver doesn't take a coffee break. He doesn't need a few scones. He doesn't take out a book and start reading a few chapters. The driver gets in. He gets fueled up. He gets fixed up. He gets drank up. And he gets back out on the road. 
road. He gets back out on the lap because that driver has one thing in mind. It's finishing the race. He has one thing in mind. It's crossing the finish line. He has one thing in mind, and it's gaining the prize that he can only get if he finishes the race, church. And and what we have to realize is that the pit crew understands that they don't have time to tinker around when that car pulls in. That pit crew doesn't have time to piddle around or fiddle around. They got to get the car up. They got to get the car fixed. They got to get the car fueled. And then as quickly as they can, they push that car back out onto the racetrack. Because the pit crew understands that as long as that car is off the ground, it's not gaining ground. As long as that car is sitting in the pit stop, enjoying its break, other cars are gaining ground. Other cars are making more laps and they're losing ground. And, and I say all that just because the same goes for us, church. The reality is we've got to keep gaining ground. We always have to keep moving forward. There's nothing wrong with taking a pit stop now and then. There's nothing wrong with being refreshed. Nothing wrong with being refueled. Nothing wrong with being refocused because it's what we need to finish the race. But the reality is, if you spend your whole Christian life sitting in the pit stop, being refreshed and refueled, and never out on the racetrack, there's never a prize that you're able to win. So what we have to realize is that the reason we had a revival, the reason that we had guest speakers come in, the reason we had them fire you up and fuel you up is so you can get those treads back on the track and start running for Jesus Christ and start advancing the kingdom of God and start working for the prize that God has for us. How many of you want the prize? Well, then you've got to get out on the track. And you got to start doing the will of God in our lives. That's what goes for us. We've got to keep moving forward. We've got to keep pressing on. And we have to keep running in such a way that we might win. And just like the pit crew pushes the car out of the pit to keep it from stalling, that's what I'm hoping to do tonight. I'm pushing you out of the pit. You see, we've come out of a great week of revival, but somewhere along the way, someone's got to push you back onto the track. Someone's got to push you back into the race. Someone's got to push you back onto the battlefield. Someone's got to push you back out into the fight. Because the reality is, life can so overwhelm us sometimes. Trouble can so overtake us sometimes. Difficulty and and and. The things of this world can hurt us so desperately sometimes that we're afraid to get back out onto the racetrack. We want to sit in the pit and we want to be fueled up and we want to be fed and we want to be we want to be fired up and we want to experience nothing wrong with that. But like I said, somewhere along the way, you got to get back out and start running the race again. Amen. So tonight, this word is just to push you back out on the track. It's to push you back onto the race. Amen? You see, the reality is, unless the pit crew pushes that car, it stalls out. The gears and the, 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 the mechanisms of those race cars, the NASCARs and the Indy cars, they're not designed to start and stop. They're designed to be all in running and all in racing. And so if the, if the pit crew doesn't push that car, if it doesn't give it a push start, that car is going to stall. 
It's going to lose laps and it won't get anywhere. And the reality is, listen, I know that that's carnal, but on the spiritual sense, it's why you have pastors and teachers and spiritual leaders in your life. Because every now and then, guess what? You need a push. You need a little shove because the, 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 the pastor knows and God knows and the Spirit knows that unless you get that push... You're going to stall out and you're going to be sitting there in a pit stop gaining no ground for God and the prize won't be yours. I hope you understand what the Spirit is trying to say tonight, church. Sometimes that push is a little harder. Sometimes it's just a gentle push. Sometimes it's just a gentle nudge. But somewhere along the way, you've got to be pushed. And it's what I'm doing with you this evening. I'm pushing you back out on the track tonight because now's not the time for us to stand still. It's time for us to put our spiritual gears into motion and go do what God has called us to do. It's not time to put ourselves in park, church. It's time to persevere and press on. Because that's the way God has designed us. My point is simply this. In the same way that a a NASCAR and an IndyCar is designed to keep going, God designed us and empowered us and, and filled us and fueled us to do the same reason. He empowered us, church, so that we could go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go into the highways and the byways of life. Go into the cafeterias. Go into the workplace. It's an active word, church. It's something that God has empowered us to do. He empowered you to go, not to sit. He empowered you to go, not to stand still. He empowered you to run the race, not spend your entire Christian life in a pit stop being fueled up. You see, the reality is, once you're filled up, unless you run a few laps, every bit of fuel that they try to pour in ends up on the ground and it's wasted. you got to get running. you got to get moving. you got to get fighting. And then God will fuel you back up again. But the sad reality is there's a lot of us in the house of God. That's where we spend our whole life. We're we're in the pit. We're already full and, and we want more. We want more. And every little more, it just runs out on the ground. God wants you to use some of that fuel out there in the world. Wants you to use some of that empowering out there in the highways and the byways of life. Not just here. He didn't empower you to just operate in here. He empowered you to go out there and set the captives free. He empowered you and filled you and strengthened you and filled you up and fueled you up so that you could be a light out there in the darkness. That's what it's all about, church. That's exactly why He fills us up. He has empowered us and designed us to go. We weren't called to park ourselves in the pit. We were called to run the race and fight the fight and keep the faith. Amen? And once we've been fueled up like we were over the last couple weeks on Wednesday and during the revival, it's time to run with endurance the race that's been set before us. Like I said, one of the saddest realities in the church, especially in the Pentecostal church, and I don't know why that is, we want to spend most of our time in the pit, filling up and fueling up, getting fired up, when we should be out there running, when we should be out there fighting. If there's anyone that should be taking up arms against the enemy, it's those that are empowered by the giftings of the Holy Spirit. And they're to be used out there to set the captives free, church. That's why he fills us up, and it's why he fires us up, so we can go out there in the world and be a demonstration of the power of Jesus Christ. Listen, after any revival... Our prayer shouldn't continue to be, Lord, fill me, fill me, fill me. Our prayer should be, God, use me, use me, use me. 
Our prayer should be after this past week. We shouldn't be up here as God, fill me, fill me, fill me. It should be use me, God. You empowered me to use me. You empowered me to go out there into dark places. You empowered me to go out there into the highways and the byways. You filled me up so I can go into my workplace and pour out upon those that you've brought into upon my path. That's why he fills us up, church. But again, if we spend our entire Christian life here, fill me, fill me, fill me. Something's wrong. Something's not right. You don't need refilling unless you've run a few laps. You don't need refilling unless you've used up some fuel. But my question is, what have you been using your fuel on? What have you been using the power that God has given you on? Where are you using it? Or is your tank still on full? If your tank's still on full, guess what? You may be doing a whole lot of something, but you're not going anywhere. You may be doing a whole lot of something, but you ain't gaining any ground. And that's the sad reality in a lot of churches. There's a whole lot of something going on. But there's no ground being gained. There's no fuel being used up. There's no power being poured out into the lives of other individuals, church. I think we forget sometimes why God has filled us in the first place, which was to use us. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, God tells us exactly why Acts chapter 2 was going to happen. You see, we all know Acts chapter 2 and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the power that came down from heaven. But in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, God tells us exactly why Acts chapter 2 was going to happen, church. He tells us why He was going to pour out His Spirit. He tells us why He was going to fill us with His Spirit. And that was for us to go be His witnesses. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my what? My witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Please understand, God filled us and fueled us so that we can go into all the earth. So that we can go into all of those places that I've talked about. That's why He has filled us up, church. That's why He's fueled us. Not to sit around idle. Not to rev the engine. But to run the race. You see, I, oh, I keep picturing all this. I had a friend who his dad gave him. It was an old Jaguar coupe. And man, it sounded great. He'd push it out of the, the driveway. He'd push it out of the garage. And he'd start it up. Man, we'd sit around. Room, man, it sounded awesome. But it never went anywhere. Sounded great. He'd sit in there, man, he was so cool. Room, room. You know how it is, guys. You get that car, sounds great. You just love to rev that thing. Want everybody to hear it. And the sad reality is that's the way we are sometimes. God fills us up empowers us, fuels us, and all we do is sit around in the house of God revving our engines for everybody to hear. And I know that that is a kind of a powerful word, but please understand, there's nothing wrong with jumping, shouting, clapping, getting excited. There's nothing wrong with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing wrong with the excitement that God develops in our life. But if all that is is revving our spiritual engine, 
it's empty. If all that is, is revving our spiritual empty, it's powerless. If that's all it is, and that's what happens so often in God's house, we just rev our engines. We put on a big show for God. But when we walk out, that it's like we're, push, we're, we're pushing ourselves. We're pushing, like my friend pushed himself out of the garage and sat there, never gained any ground. That's the way we are sometimes. We remain in this stalled state, but God wants us to push. That's why I'm pushing you. Not for you to just rev your engines and sound good. I'm pushing you so you don't stall out. I'm pushing you tonight so that you can go out there where God has called you to go and be more than the sound of a a supercharged engine. What is it that the Bible says? They have the form of godliness, but they deny the power of. Man, that car looks sharp. It looked like it could run laps around anybody. But it denied the power. It sounded good, but there was something wrong inside of it. And the reality is, I don't want to linger on this. Listen, God designed us for a reason. He infilled us for a purpose. And it was for us to go be a representation of heaven was to go and be a representation of Jesus Christ. It was for us to go and do things we've never done before. Say things we've never seen before. Have the courage to go places we've never gone before. That's why He fills us. And that's why He fuels us. So that we can gain some ground against the darkness of this world that is trying to encompass and enslave everyone out there in this world. He's filled us and fueled us so that we could go be light in a dark, desperate world, church. But what do we do so often? We shine bright in here. And we turn ourselves off when we go out there. And that's not why God's empowered us. Amen? Listen, if you study the word revival in the Greek and the Hebrew, it means to be restored to a place or condition of usefulness. That's what it means in the Greek and the Hebrew. If you study it out, it means to be returned or restored to a place or condition of usefulness. You know what that tells me first? It means that if I need revival, I'm not currently useful. Because if I have to be restored to a place of usefulness, it means somewhere along the way I stop being useful. I stopped being used by God. I stopped producing for God. I stopped being profitable for God. That's what it means to me. And that's what revival is all about. It's taking an individual who's not been doing what they need to do for God. It's taking that individual who's not been useful and profitable and accomplishing anything for the kingdom and doing something in their lives to where they become useful to God. That's what revival is all about. It's all about being used by God. It's returning you and me to a place where God can use me. It's why I said earlier, after revival, our prayer should not be, God, fill me, fill me, fill me. It should be, use me, use me, use me, because that's why God filled you in the first place. And it's why He filled me. 
Listen, I'm not talking, listen, you might think, well, I don't have an opportunity to be up behind the pulpit. I can't be used like you. I'm not on this team and I'm not part of that ministry and God can't use me. Baloney, you got a next door neighbor. You got family members. You got some strangers that come across your path. You got a workplace. You've got a crowd in your life that I will never have in mine. You will have an audience in your life that I will never have in my life. You will have opportunities to Go into places, I'll never have that opportunity to go. Because God has a different call, purpose, and place and ministry field for every single one of us. And here's my point. God filled you up and fueled you up so that you could go there. Because no one else can. No one else. You've got a workplace that none of us will ever go to. You've got a neighborhood none of us will ever walk through. You've got family members that none of us will ever come into contact with. You understand what I'm saying, church, and that's exactly why God fills us and fuels us so that we can go. He fills us and fuels us like I hope He is tonight because according to my title, the race isn't over yet. The race isn't over yet. So we can't act like it is. We can't act like we've won our prize. We can't act like we've got our crown. We can't act like we've crossed the finish line. We can't dance that final victory dance yet because we've not got there yet. We might have had a great lap or two. We might have had a good little victory here and we might have had a good little victory there. But the trumpet hasn't sound yet. And God has not said to you and he's not said to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. The race is over. The fight is over. The struggle's over. The battle's over. Enter the rest that I have prepared for you. And until we hear that, what do we have to do? We got to run in such a way that we might win. It's time to stop standing idle. It's time to get out of the pit. And it's time to start running for God. Amen? Into those places that we might not have ever been before. God revives us to use us. It's that simple. And that's why I'm pushing you with this word. Because God wants to use you. He wants to use you. I don't care what your age is. I don't care what background you've come from. I don't care what your marital situation is or your financial situation is. I don't care what your, your theological background is. I don't care what titles you got before your name, behind your name, underneath your name, on top your name. God wants to use you. And that's what we need to understand tonight. That's why he's empowered you, church. I'm pushing you because we've got to get back on the road and start being used by God. It's why Paul said, forgetting what lies behind, I press on. And here's what I want you to realize. When Paul said that, he had ran some of the greatest spiritual laps that anybody would have ever run in their life. You know Paul's life. When he said, I press on, he had done some things that you and I will never do. He had run some laps that you and I had, would never run. Gone through some things that you and I won't even come close to going through. And that's when he said, forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting my past accomplishments. Forgetting my past victories. Forgetting my struggles. Forgetting my hurts. Forgetting the somebody done me wrong. Forgetting the abuses. Forgetting the, the heartache. Forgetting the fear. Forgetting all of those things. I press on, he said. Because the race isn't over yet. 
Because there's a prize that still has to be won. Amen? And that's what God is speaking to us. He said, not that I have attained it yet. Not that I've arrived yet. Not that I've already finished, but I press on. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. I keep running, he was saying. I keep fighting. I keep praying. I keep trusting. I keep serving. I keep reading. I keep yielding. I keep whatever. You can put so many. I keep preaching. I keep teaching. I keep climbing for the prize, Paul was saying. Because how many of you know our prize is a higher prize? Amen? It's an upward prize, Paul said. It's a prize this world can't give. We spend, we spend so much time, boy, boy, trying to please this world. Trying to, trying to make this world happy. Trying to gain its applause. But the Bible tells me that the, that the prizes this world gives are perishable. They rust. They turn to, to dust. They decay. They're perishable. But Paul said, I press on because my prize is an imperishable prize. It's a prize that, that, that this world can't give, church. Listen, you, you can't get this prize at a five and dime. You can't get this prize at some carnival. You can't get this prize at some street corner. You can't, you can't get this prize while you're sitting in a pit stop. You can't get this prize with any earthly income that you might acquire, church, because it's not an earthly prize. It's a heavenly prize, church. It's an imperishable prize. And this prize can only be awarded by one individual, and that's by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's who gives us this prize, church. And so this is the individual that we have to run for. This is the individual we have to fight for. This is the individual that has told us to go. He's the one that will give us an imperishable prize, church. And therefore, we must run in such a way that we might win. Amen? Because the reality is, unless we are willing to press upward, unless we're willing to press onward, unless we're willing to be pushed out of the pit, whether it's tonight or whenever it might be, you and I will never win the prize, church. Because like I shared, I think the last time I spoke... The prize isn't given out at the starting line. I've never seen a race where the prize is given out before anyone runs. I've never seen anyone give a, get, a, get a trophy halfway around the course. I've never seen it, church. The prize isn't given out halfway up the hill. It's only given out at the finish line of our faith. So run in such a way that you might win, Paul said. And you can't run a race if you're sitting in a pit. Amen? Please understand, we'll never win this prize in a place of complacency or mediocrity. We'll never find this prize in a land of laziness or lukewarmness. We'll never find it while we're parked in a pit. We'll never find it under a willow tree where David got discouraged and hung up his harp. We'll never find it under a juniper tree or hiding in a cave like Elijah did when he should have been out fighting a fight. 
when he should have been out finishing what he started. And I'm not going to get too far off the track, but Elijah was part of one of the greatest works of God recorded in Scripture when he slaughtered 500 or 400 prophets of Baal and he called the fire of God to come down and consume a wet sacrifice that had been soaked and, and, and dumped with water. He started a fight. Listen to me. This is the point that I want to make. He started a fight and then he ran and hid under a juniper tree and fell asleep. He started a fight against the enemy and then he went and hid in a cave because he was afraid. He started a fight and then he stopped running. He started a fight and then he pulled off in a pit stop and had a little pity party, church, instead of fighting the fight and finishing the fight that he started. And that's what happens with far too many of us. We start a fight. We start the battle and something comes our way and then we go hide in a cave or we go hang our harp on a willow tree or we go go to sleep under a juniper tree and say, God, why did you bring me here? When we should be fighting the fight. Finish what you start is what the Holy Spirit is saying. Listen, God's not nearly as impressed with how we start. Well, God, just the way we start. And then halfway there. And we give up. Or we go run and hide. Because the enemy has said something that we didn't like. That story just amazes me. It really does. That story. Here is a man who had listened to his speech when you read that. He's joking with the enemy of God that's trying to call fire down on a sacrifice. He's joking with them. Maybe your God went to the restroom. Maybe your God's taking a nap. Maybe your God's over here stuck in the toilet. He's joking with these guys and and calling with all passion and intensity the power of God to fall down and consume. He showed up. 400 prophets of Baal. And the next thing you know, he's running and hiding in a cave. I can't figure that one out. I really can't. But that's the difference of when you're trusting in God and when you're not. When the voice of the enemy becomes louder in your life than your trust in God. And that's when most of us get stuck in the pit. It's when the voice of the enemy speaks into our life and we're afraid to get back out on the track. We're afraid to finish what we started. Listen to me. God has called some of you to start something that you've not finished yet. Because you're hiding in a cave. Because you're sitting under a willow tree. Because you're afraid of what might happen if I get back out on the track. And you're not doing anything for God and you're not gaining ground. Because the voice of the enemy is louder And bigger than the faith you have in God. It's what happened to Elijah. And it's what happens to us. So why am I here tonight? I'm here to push you out of the pit. You see, there's pits that we drive into ourselves. There's pits that we dig for ourselves. David dug his own pit, amen? When he came to Bathsheba, he dug that pit. Nobody dug that for him. He dug that himself, but sometimes the enemy digs it. Joshua didn't dig his own pit. He got thrown into it. But the reality is, guess Joshua didn't stay in that pit. 
Joshua didn't sit down in that pit singing some sad melody. Joshua didn't sit down in that pit singing some somebody done me wrong song. My brother's done me wrong song. He didn't sing about the, all of the brothers that, that dug this ditch and threw him in there and left. He didn't dwell in the pit of the past. He didn't have himself a little pity party in the pit that someone else dug for him. But that's where so many of us live. We live in the pit of self-pity. We live in the pit of the past. And we can't get past it. We, we like the pit. We feel comfortable in the pit. We think our sad song sounds better in the pit. There's some individuals, they think they're more holy because they're in the pit. I must be holy or God wouldn't have put me here. And so they glory in their pit. And they glory in their problem. Listen, the only reason God allowed you to go into a pit was so that you would get the strength to climb out of the pit. So that you would learn to be more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so that you could be like a Joshua, who could be a representation of heaven. God took Joshua from the pit to the palace because he didn't sing some sad melody while he was there. Because when a hand of help came his way, he took the opportunity to get out. But, oh, oh, Lord, help me. We go find a brother in need. Come on. Come on. And we don't reach out our hand. No, no. We, we just refuse the help. We refuse the hand. We don't want nobody pushing us. We don't know, want nobody boosting us. We don't know want nobody helping us out because I'm holy. God put me here. And we're glorying in our pit. Please understand me, church. We need to learn to not dwell in the past. We need to learn to not dig our own pits of pity. And we need to learn to overcome them and climb out of them. And when God brings someone your way, put pride aside and say, yes, brother, I need a helping hand. Yes, sister, I need a little boost. Yes, pastor, I need a little push tonight. Because if you don't push me, I'm going to stall out. If you don't help me, I'm going to die right here. But sometimes pride gets in the way and we think, no, good Lord, I can't let anybody know, know I need help. Especially if you're in a spiritual leadership position, that really comes against you. Because we're supposed to be like Pastor said, super fast. <laughs> Superman don't need any help. Spider-Man doesn't need any help. Batman doesn't need any you see what I'm saying? But listen, we all from time to time need some help. We all from time to time need help getting ourselves out of that pit. And if we refuse the help that comes our way, we'll never win the prize. Amen, church? This is why Paul said, look, I'm going to have to cut this short. I've got a lot more to go. and We'll finish it up next week if I have to. But what I want us to understand is that... The only way to win the prize, the only way to win the race, is to get out of the pit. 
And I, you, I know you understand I'm talking about two different pits tonight. I'm talking about just the pit where you, you pull in, you get fixed up, you get filled up, you get fueled up. But then there's some more severe pits in our life, the ones that I've talked about, some pits that we dig ourselves. But the reality is even David dug himself out of that pit because I think last time I talked, we talked about the occasion where when his whole life was falling apart, when everything was turned upside down, when Absalom was coming against him, when his kingdom was crumbling, the Bible tells us that David made his way to the summit of the Mount of Olives. He climbed barefoot, the Bible says, weeping and sobbing and barefoot to the top of the mountain. He climbed his way out of his pit, church, and we have to learn to do the same exact thing. David didn't stop halfway up the hill. He climbed all the way to the summit, and when he got there, you, you should remember, I hope you remember, that the answer to his prayer, the turnaround to his situation, the key to his victory was at the top of that mountain as well. Why? Because he kept on climbing. And we have to do the same exact thing. We've got to get ourselves out of the pit so that we can run the race, so God can restore to us the things that the enemy has come to take away. Amen? I close with this. If there's somebody that wants to come to the music, they can. I don't need it, but this is what the Scripture says. It's why Paul said in 2 Philippians 3.12, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I'm going to stop there before I read the rest. I hope you understand that Jesus Christ has taken hold of you for a reason. It's exactly like I talked about. He's empowered you for a reason. Paul said for me to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me somewhere along your life. I hope God has gotten hold of you. Amen. I know the date and time in my life where God got a hold of me. I've been playing church. You know, look, my testimony is I grew up in church, okay? I, I don't have, like, some big horror story to tell about my life, okay? Other than in my early teenage years, I was your typical rebellious, uh, mischievous teenager that grew up in church, but it was all just junk. It was, it was a, a habit. None of it was real. But one day, sit singing from a pretend relationship with God in the middle of a, a youth choir, we're singing to the, to the adults on a Sunday night service. And I was, what I said earlier, I was revving my engine. But I wasn't going anywhere until in the middle of one of those songs, it seemed like there was no one in that room except me and God. That the heavens opened wide, and I beheld the glory of the Lord. And everything that was ever spoken into my life from the time that I was a little twerp became real in my life. Because it was, and it was at that moment that God took hold of me. You see, the reality is you'll never win unless you let God take hold of you. You'll never win any race unless you let God take hold of your heart, take hold of your mind, take hold of your marriage, take hold of your life. Take hold of your will. Take hold of you. He is the one that we need to make it through this race, amen, and to get to the finish. But he said, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. 
But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching what? Forward to that what lies ahead. Again, he says it, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Two times in this short little passage, Paul reminds us that the race hasn't been won yet. He reminds us that the fight isn't over. Two times Paul tells us to press onward and upward towards a higher prize. So the simple question tonight is, are you ready to press on? Are you willing to be pushed tonight back on the track? Are you willing to receive a helping hand to get you maybe out of your mess? Are you willing to have faith in God to get those wheels turning again? To go out into the world and do what God's called you to do? Are you willing to stop singing that sad melody? Are you willing to stop singing that somebody done me wrong song? Are you willing to put away your pity party tea set? Are you ready to put on your hiking boots and start climbing to the summit? Are you willing to get out of the pit so that you can finish the race? If you're here tonight and say, I want to finish, I just want you to stand to your feet. Because here's how I'm going to end. I am going to ask that the prayer team come forward. I'll end two ways. I know I'm running long, but if you're here tonight and you say, I've been struggling running, maybe I'm afraid to get back out on the track, I need a push tonight. I need a helping hand tonight. I need a shove tonight. I need some help tonight. If that's you, just for a few minutes, I'm going to ask that you come forward. Let me have the prayer team come forward. And if you need, I'm not telling you you're a grand sinner. I'm just saying, if you're admitting to God tonight, I need a little push, God. I don't want to stall out. I feel like I'm about to stall out. I need a push. Then I want you to make your way, man. Otherwise, you just lift a hand. If you're a candidate and say, push me tonight, God. Amen then we're going to do that and we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word this evening. And if there's anyone here that still needs a helping hand, I pray, God, that they would have the courage to step out. We're not here to condemn them. We're just here to to join with them, Father God, to build them up and to give them a helping hand out of their pit and out of their situation so that they can run in such a way that they might win. God, every one of us, me, I speak for me and no one else. God, I need a push tonight. I need a helping hand tonight. Sometimes, Father God, we can find ourselves having our own little pity party. And I pray that tonight, if that's us, God, that you would give us a push out of our pit. I pray, Father God, that after you filled us and fueled us and empowered us like you did a couple couple weeks ago, God, that now our prayer would be, God, use me. Use me. Use me. I know you have a plan for every one of us here, God, a plan to help us and not harm us, to give us hope and a future. But ultimately, you have a plan to use us, God. You have a purpose for every single one of us in this place tonight. Let us not be afraid of it. Let us not be ashamed of it. Let us not be intimidated by it, God, because we can't do it on our own. We need you. And that's what we're asking for tonight, God. We're asking for your help to get us back on track. We're asking your help, Father God, to fill it, to, to help us run in such a way that we might win. Let us not find ourselves, God, 
revving our engine. But help us to be found running the race with endurance, God. Let us not ever be intimidated like like Elijah was, filled with the power of God, and yet he ran and hid in a cave. God, help us to not be that. Help us to never become so discouraged that we would be like David and hang up our harp and quit running the race. Help us to be like the latter David who climbed all the way to the summit, Father, weeping barefoot and covered. I pray that you would cover us in your spirit this evening, God. And if anyone, God, needs your touch tonight, let it be so. If there's anyone here tonight, God, who has been resistant to your grab, resistant to you, Father God, taking hold of their life, I pray that they would yield themselves to you tonight, God. That there would be no stubbornness of heart and that you would take hold of every single one of us tonight, God. Put us back on the path. Put us back on the track. We accept your push and your shove tonight so that we might do your will. We give you the praise and the glory and all of God's people said, Amen. Can we bless them tonight, church? If you need to linger, need to tarry, we'll do that.